FM Radio for the Agile Community. www.agile.fm. Welcome to another episode of Agile FM. Today I have a keynote speaker with me and an author of the book Escaping the Built Trap uh, that is uh, reachable by builttrap.com. My guest today is Melissa Perry, and that is also her domain name, melissaperry.com. Her Twitter handle is very different, Lizzie Jean. And, Lizzie Jean. Uh, <laughs> exactly, right? And uh, welcome to the podcast, first and foremost, Melissa. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, awesome. You were about to keynote the Agile Day 2019 in New York City, and uh, people interested in hearing you. Uh, live at this event they can go to agileday2019.org and it is our anniversary event it's the 10th annual agile day so we're super proud of um, uh, having this event and also super proud having you speak about the title uh, which is very similar to the book is that correct yep yep that's it we're going to be talking about escaping the build trap okay awesome so what's interesting is uh, you just said that escaping the build trap if you look at the cover of your book which was uh, published uh, maybe a year ago october 2018 or 19 yeah um, November. <laughs> yeah so the two words that stand out is really the build trap right but the important thing is escaping the build trap right <laughs> um, yeah. so th there is something about this title which is like there is actually there is a build trap we don't we don't want to only make people aware of that there is one but how to escape one can you just uh, help uh, listeners here if they're approaching this book what is so important and how you connect these two pieces of the title yeah, so um, originally I was talking about the concept of, and that's this scary place that we get, we get into with software development a lot where, you know, we're building and we're building and we're focusing on velocity and how fast we can ship and what we can get out there. And we're really looking at quantity over quality and what are the outcomes that we're producing there. Um, so my talk originally started when I started talking about the build trap was all about that concept. And I, I would talk about good product management being the thing that got us out of there. So how do we make sure that what we're building is the right thing? And how do we take a step back and really evaluate that? Mm -hmm. What does that whole process look like? And then when I was making the title for the book, I was like, it's called The Build Trap. And a lot of people were like, well, that just makes it sound impossible. Like you're trapped and you can't get out. Like <laughs> how, to, how to make it, you know, actionable. So um, with that, we, you know, we started thinking about, um, what, what do we call it? And escaping the build trap became, you know, the, the name we kind of uh, settled on. And it's true. Like that, that's really what the book is about. It's how to escape, right? How to get out of that habit of just building and building and not really stopping to think about what are we building? Is this the right thing? Does it produce value for both our customers and our business? Mm -hmm. Well, one, one thing you, you highlight is definitely the, the difference between output versus outcome. Um, you also favor a customer centric approach. Um, what would be a quick check for people out there? It's like, I don't know if I'm in a trap and I don't know if I need to escape something. Um, I don't know if I'm focusing on output versus outcome or if I have a customer-centric approach. What would be a quick check for somebody to say, are we focusing on outcome versus output? Um, do we have a customer-centric approach? So the first thing that I always look at when I go into a company and, and really try to help them with this is we talk about how do you judge success, right? Mm -hmm. So when you release this thing, how do you know that it worked, right? Like what was it supposed to do? And that's one of the biggest gaps I find in companies that they may be customer centric in a way where they really care about their customers. They talk about them all the time, but they're not really taking 
what they're building and connecting it back to that, right? They're not really going, what is this going to do for our customers? You know, you might have all the empathy in the world for them, but you're not measuring your success on the outcomes that you can achieve for them. Mm -hmm. So we look at the outcomes and we, we make sure though that, that they're not super output focused, which is just, you know, ship this thing or ship these features. Mm -hmm. And then we connect it back and we say, you know, if, if we're judging success here, uh, what's successful? Does it increase revenue? Are customers happy? Do happiness scores go up? You know, what, what is the story here, right? Like what, what are we going to do when we do that? And good customer uh, centric organizations and organizations that have great product management will have OKRs or goals and visions that are centered around producing value for customers and producing value for the business. Like we'll say something by, you know, by solving these problems for a customer, we believe that we can create this value for our business, increase our revenue, decrease costs, whatever that has to be. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Yeah. So I, I think that that's a good uh, way of, of measuring this, right? I myself teach a lot of uh, agile and scrum trainings. Um, you are focusing on product management, right? Not product ownership. The word product yep. owner is not in your title. Um, so this is not about scrum. This is about product management in general. Well, I think it has to do with scrum, right? Of so course, like the yeah. way that I, I, I describe a lot of how we got into this and where we are right now, um, a lot, of, a lot of companies think that product management came about as a result of having product owners in Scrum, but that's not true, right? Yeah. It, it made it more prevalent that this, I think it made people more aware that this role is necessary, but uh, it's it's not that, you know, it got created with Scrum by any means. Like Silicon Valley companies had this forever. Software mm -hmm. companies have had product managers, consumer packaged good companies had product managers. It's a concept that's been around for a while, but how we apply it to software and how prevalent we make it, I think was very much tied to Agile taking over how we develop software manage, uh, software products, right? Mm -hmm. So what I saw with companies was that um, a lot of them said, okay, we're going to go agile. And some of it was for the right reasons and other, other ones were for the wrong reasons. But <laughs> um, they, they, they started adopting Scrum. And this is a lot of companies we work with. They made a lot of um, people who are probably former uh, business analysts or project managers, they made them product owners. Mm -hmm. um, and then they got really good at the delivery side of things, but they realized that they weren't actually increasing value. And they looked at the product owners and said, okay, something's missing here, right? How do we train our product owners? How do we, how do we make sure we're building the right thing? And that's where product management really comes in, mm -hmm. right? So I see the role of, the product owner is just a role you play in a that's scrum team, mm -hmm. right? So let's say like we decide to use Kanban and mm -hmm. we just don't stop all scrum practice, practices. Like the people who are product owners, they should still be product managers at the end of the day. It's not like their role goes away. They still have to figure out what it is that we should be building. And this is something that you involve your whole team in, obviously. But they're making decisions about what features to build now, how do we prioritize it, and how do we measure success on it, and how do we define goals around that. And they're synthesizing a lot of information to make sure we're building those right things. And mm -hmm. that to me, that's a career, right? So mm -hmm. I, I, that's what I talk about in the book. And that's what I talk about with escaping the build trap. And when we talk about career paths for that too, uh, this is another thing I see with agile transformations. A lot of people think product management ends with the product owners on the scrum team. Like that's it. Yeah. So they don't have like I, a lot of the work that I do these days is on career pathing. And if you look at great growth stage companies and we work, we work with a lot of like software, B2B staff solutions, all these rapidly growing companies, they have that, that career, of a product manager that goes all the way up to a chief product officer. Mm -hmm. And that's really how it should be in any company that wants to use 
you know, once you really use product management to grow or software to grow, right, it's mm-hmm. a critical role for making your business centered around that. Mm-hmm. It's actually interesting that you say that about the career paths, right? So, for example, accountants or like CPAs, you have contractors work on your house, they're licensed of some sort, right? But something like that, um, like other than the role base, which we just touched on, right? Something like that doesn't exist for product management or maybe I have not seen it myself. Um, do you, what's your take on that, especially with the career pathing here you're, you're working on? What's, what is, a, is there any kind of standard? Uh, should there be a standard? Um, and is there anything where people can look at it as is there a school of thought? Um, well, what we typically say and what we, we look at with organizations and lots of organizations operate this way. There, there are, um, you know, I'm trying to think of like with, with a lot of the growth stage companies that we have, we have a lot of chief product officers. There's a company mm-hmm. called Central Reach where we hired one in. There's one called Binder. Um, these are all like 500 to 1,000 people organizations. Mm-hmm. There's a chief product officer of Adobe, right? Like, mm-hmm. like it's up really, really high. So we typically look at that career path as you start off as a product manager with a scrum team. And the more junior you are, the more um, you tighten the scope around what you look at. So mm-hmm. I might give a junior product manager just a feature to work on, but not something huge, right? Just so they can learn the ropes, figure out how to synthesize and make the best features possible. Mm-hmm. As you get more mature, you're still going to be an individual contributor on a, on a team, like a scrum team or a product development team, whatever you use, whatever philosophy. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're still going to be working with the team on features, but your scope gets broader and broader. The next level up would really be um, when you start to move into like people management roles, that's looking at what we would call director of product. Mm-hmm. And a director of product usually oversees a larger product, um, a bigger function, something that's more complex, and they have multiple product managers who report into them. Mm-hmm. And then you go to a VP of product. And some early stage companies, uh, if it's you know if it's small, if it's one product line, um, or if it's one product line inside a larger organization, a VP of product is usually that the head of product, right? That's as that's as far as it goes. Right. Um, and that person's overseeing the entire product, you know, whole thing, end to end value stream of that and making it awesome. And they work with several directors of product underneath it who oversee major features mm-hmm. or portions of it. Then as you grow into like a portfolio of products, so now we have a bunch of different things that we sell, that's where you really need a chief product officer. Right. And um in corporations, I believe that's true too for a chief product officer to look over the entire corporation and say, is our strategy consistent? Like, are we duplicating efforts across like each one of our business lines? Mm-hmm. Right. That happens all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, how are we building our platforms? How do we think about having a cohesive strategy that incorporates all of these things? But that doesn't necessarily mean that I have to set it for everybody, right? I have VPs of product in each business line who will go in and own the strategy for that. But I make sure it's consistent right. and that we're all moving in the right direction. Mm-hmm. So that's typically that's typically where I I see it going. Um, I'd say like product management is one of like the most in demand jobs too. Mm-hmm. Right now, like I, I have people asking me every day if I know somebody good for them. <laughs> it, <laughs> it's, it's finding you know finding really good ones, I, mm-hmm. uh, finding really senior product people is hard. Mm-hmm. Um, I do believe we need to grow more junior people too. So I don't think you can like found an entire company off just like senior product people and, and have it running, right? You need a good distribution. Yes. And a lot of the, and a lot of the corporations I work with, um, the problem is they only have junior product managers. Like they don't have anybody senior for these people to learn from. And to me, I think that's, that's one of the hardest parts about this career path right now 
And my advice for anybody who's starting out in product management is always to go find somebody mm. you can learn from, yeah. right? Like you don't want to be, you don't want to be the only person or the, the if, if, especially if you're starting, you don't want to be the most knowledgeable person in your right. company. It could feel good for a while, but you want to excel. Mm -hmm. Well, it's the same on a Scrum Master where we always say the same thing, right? So if you're the only Scrum Master in an organization, you need to go out there and, and mingle in conferences. You need to meet people and then learn, learn, and learn. But Obviously, if you have that inside the organization, like what you're describing here, awesome, right? Um, while you were in, uh, introducing, so, so a lot of these things you just mentioned is about experience and the willingness uh, of learning, right? So I think that is a key thing uh, for product man managers to excel um, in the future. But while you were just explaining this, I was just like, I, what are the, I was just thinking, like, what are the responsibilities of a product manager, right? So. Um, Scrum is very silent um, about this, right? Uh, and there's a lot of techniques and tools you can uh, include in this. But I was just wondering, what is a typical perception when you work with organizations out there between, let's say, executives and what they what do they think about product managers and what their role is? And what is a possibly a typical misunderstanding uh, between an executive who might not be familiar with Agile or Scrum or the role of a product owner and a person that has a job description called product manager? Do you see like a pattern out there where misunderstandings of what they do, like they're writing specifications or they're, um, um, you know, they're, they're, they're there to answer questions around focus groups or anything like that? Is there anything yeah. you see? Yeah, it depends really where the executive came from and, and what type of business I think you're in. For sure, in larger corporations, I think they don't see the, they don't understand the value of product management yet as it relates to software and as it relates to scaling your business. I think the biggest misconception, um, especially in organizations, I, well, let me st take a step back. I, I like to describe two different types of organizations, and this is, this is, I think, pretty true. We have organizations that grew up through software, and the software that they sell is their business. So you can directly tie profit and loss right back to the software you sell. Mm -hmm. So that's your SaaS companies like Salesforce and all that. And even though Salesforce has a huge consulting and services arm, it started with software, mm -hmm. right? So those companies inherently get product management, right? Like they see the product managers as the people who connect the technology to the business. Um, are, is there product management? I don't know anything about Salesforce, but in general, like with yeah. those companies, they might need to refine some of their product management processes, but the way they started and the way they scaled was through great product management. So, so with them, it's a little bit easier. You don't have to do as much convincing, right? It's more about the tactics of how do you set up a great product work, right? How do you connect it? How do you scale it? So with those executives, um, you know, if they're a sales executive, for sure, you have to you have to convince them about like what does product management do. But usually showing them, them the numbers, showing them how like a product manager grows your software and figures out the strategy behind it and make sure that's valuable for customers. You can connect that all back to profit and loss. And it's, mm -hmm. it's, pretty, it's a pretty easy sell. It's harder, though, in the companies that didn't grow up through software. So your banks, your insurance companies, right, anything where you sold some different type of product, uh, and now they're turning to software to scale. And software has become inherently tied to the value that they deliver with those products, mm -hmm. right? It, the way, like, if you think about, about a bank, and you think about, uh, you know, they, they'd call it a deposit. I work with tons of banks, but like, mm -hmm. they would call it a deposit. So like a savings account. Nobody shops around for savings accounts right now that are just like, I want a savings account, right? They're like, I want a savings account where I can manage it online, I can deposit my checks, yeah. I can um, call somebody when I need them. I can take the money out. I can transfer it to the other money. Like savings rate, sure, that's a piece of it. But a lot of it relies, the value relies on the software and the services around it. And 
these companies, they're not used to that, right? They're not used to building up these types of things around it through a software scalable model. And those are the executives that, um, you know, typically have been there for a long time, grew up in that business, but they're having a harder time understanding that the value of the things they deliver is directly tied back to the the software and the services and everything that surrounds making that banking product better. Mm-hmm. So you have to think of it as a system. Um, and usually explaining that, right, like showing that again, the customer feedback, it does help. And I've found that executives at these companies are are not really the ones you have to convince, right? Like they, they're like, no, 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 I, I signed up for digital, like whatever that means, but like, mm-hmm. I, I want the software, like I see the value. It's more that middle layer um, that oh. hasn't, that doesn't really know, right, what product management is. And then they're not typically product managers themselves. So now they're managing a bunch of product managers and, and they're not really sure how that all relates because mm-hmm. they've been they've been doing it one way, banks been operating for one way, and they may not see the changing of the markets that the executives see, or they may not be having the same type of conversations that they're having out there with the competitors. Mm-hmm. So, so I do think like, I think there's lots of really smart executives um, changing the way some of these companies, right, uh, move into a digital world, move into a software world. I think it's, I think it's incredibly hard to do. Mm-hmm. I think like change like that, it takes years. And sometimes I think the bigger problem of not really understanding product management is maybe not understanding the whole change, right? Like what fundamentally has to change to move yourself more from um, an older traditional company that was oh. selling financial products into a financial based software company, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're, you're becoming a software company, you're still a bank, but like, that's how you scale, right? That's yeah. how you get your money. That's how you deliver value faster. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, this is very awesome. I mean, uh, why you know why you were explaining this? This is awesome. This is, I think this is a great way of, of looking at things. I was just thinking about a scenario I had with a, uh, a very high level person at a financial institution, and uh, and it came exactly down to that kind of conversation. Where like, we are a bank, we're not an IT organization, right? And and I just simply asked if they could even perform the trades on on the stock exchange without software, and the answer is obviously no. So it is a technology company to some extent at this point, right? Um, if you can't perform the work manually anymore, um, that's pretty it. Yep, that's it. That's, that's key. That's key, right? Um, I, one thing I wanted to ask you to, uh, at the end of our uh, conversation here is, uh, um, obviously you do talk a lot uh, about these uh, topics. <laughs> you, you do keynotes and you do uh, um, speaking events and, and conferences, etc. And we're super happy to have you on the 14th of November in New York uh, to do the keynote. Is there any topic right now? I, I don't think it's a canned kind of presentation, right? But is there any topic you feel like um, you would be emphasizing um, in New York? What is the topic you currently feel really, really hot about where you feel like you spend a few more minutes on that? So uh, for people to come to the event, uh, can look forward to. Yeah, I really think it's about that career path that I was talking about, like mm-hmm. product management, is a business function, right? Like we, we connect it back to the technology, but technology is your business these days. And and if people leave my talk in New York, I want them to see that, you know, product management is critical to building software companies. It needs a seat at the executive table. Chief product officers are like here to stay. That's not a role that's going to go away tomorrow. Um, and there's so much packed into this role. It's a hard role, mm-hmm. um, but it's a critical role to building software companies. And that's really that's really how I think you can escape the build trap. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. I'm looking forward to the uh, talk. I'm looking forward uh, meeting you in person um, uh, at the 14th of November in New York 
we're going to have our 10th annual Agile Day that is at uh, agileday2019.org. I'm so looking forward to this. And uh, even if you're listening to this podcast after the 14th of uh, November 2019, uh, it's always good to grab a copy of the book, Escaping the Bill Trap by Melissa Perry. Thank you so much for uh, spending the time talking about it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Agile FM, the radio for the Agile community. I'm your host, Joe Krebs. If you're interested in more programming and additional podcasts, please go to www.agile.fm. Talk to you soon.